So good afternoon, everybody, depending on when you're listening to this. This is Mark Seiden from the Mark Seiden Real Estate Team in Briarcliff Manor, New York, Westchester County. And uh, today I have a guest speaker who's actually one of my most awesome team members. She's been with me for, I don't know, two, a lot of years, 10, 15, 20, 30, 70 years. Allison Davidoff, who is my listing partner. And what a listing partner means is that's the person who takes care of all my sellers. So for those who may or may not be familiar with my team, um, we actually do real estate exactly like I said, as a team. So I have one set of real estate agents that work exclusively with our buyers. And I have another team that works exclusively with our sellers. And Allison Davidoff is my senior listing partner, uh, real estate uh, agent extraordinaire. I should actually add that to your business card, real estate agent extraordinaire. Um, and so this, uh, so today um, we're going to talk about the state of the real estate market um, based on the seller side. The last couple podcasts we had dealt mostly with buyers, uh, but this time we're going to take a, a seller centric point of view. So sellers kind of know what to expect. So Allison Davidoff, how are you today? I'm good, Mark. Thanks for the nice introduction. Um, I will let everybody know that we have been together for 16 years, but who's counting? 16 so, years. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I've seen a lot in the past 16 years. Never, I guess, never sort of expecting what was going to happen or what we'd go through last year, like everybody in the world. Right. Um, so, you know, depending upon what industry you were in last year, could have been the worst year ever or one of the best years ever. I guess that was sort of the silver lining for those of us in the residential real estate business. I think last year was, in, you know, after we were on lockdown for three weeks, three months, I should say, um, never having any idea where we, if we were ever going to work again, um, with the floodgates opened up and the second half of 2020 was probably busier than it had ever been. Correct. So, so let's put some things in perspective for some sellers, if we may. So let's kind of do a little, and we'll just arbitrarily say two years ago kind of thing, like, you know, let's say mid 2019 or even early 2019 kind of as the gauge uh, versus, you know, where we are today. So what do you think you could tell sellers? And I'm going to kind of make this a little broad, Allison, so you can kind of answer it almost any way that you like, but like what could sellers expect as far as if they put a house on the market with a price and you know, how long, you know, could it be, be at that price before maybe they had to do an adjustment in the price or the, the three letter acronym that most people don't realize the most important acronym in real estate DOM for days on market. So for example, how long would a seller expect to possibly on average be on the market two years ago versus let's say now? So it's well, something kind of over, overly general. Right. So two years ago, I would say it could be anywhere from, say, you know, one to three months before we're, we get into contract. And, our, and New York works a little bit differently from most other states where we don't, we as agents don't write contracts. We don't go to contract right away. We do, there's a lot of due diligence with negotiating before we actually go to contract. So it can take us a little bit longer in New York before a buyer and seller are in contract. But I would say, be, 
you know, two years ago, maybe one to three months. I would say now we'll know within the first month right away if we're priced right or right or not. And it's interesting. And it's interesting how you said first month now because I have a feeling if we did this podcast with you, let's say six or seven months ago. How long do you think you would tell people that we would know oh. if we were at the right price or not if we oh, were nine yeah. months ago? You, you know, you know, in the first week. I yeah, mean, you know, you 20 know. Buyers said, yeah, we'll know in 20, 20 minutes. Yeah. So if we don't have a buyer in 20 minutes, I think we may have to, you know, do something in 25 minutes. And we usually, usually knew in 15 minutes. So it's, right. it's really interesting. So, and, and it's interesting that you bring that up because that means it sounds like our, our market is even kind of, changing again from two years ago to what everyone was hearing about that lasted about six or nine months ago to now. So where do you think the market was two years ago versus nine months ago to today? So two years ago, I would say it was, you know, let's just say one to three months to get a buyer. And, you know, it was somewhat balanced. Um, I would say, you know, in the, at the height of COVID when, you know, we were allowed to do real estate again, it was, you know, 10 minutes, you know, and there were bidding wars and so many more buyers than there were sellers. And now I would say it's slowing down a bit and there are still, there's still lots of activity and lots of movement and lots of sellers that want to jump in and do it now because we don't have a crystal ball and we don't know where the market's going to go. Um, but I would say it's definitely slower than it was. And we, but we will know, you know, like you said, days on market, we'll know in the first month if we're priced right or not. Right. Because even though there are still lots of buyers, if we're priced completely wrong, we're not going to sell. Right. So, you know, with people kind of listening to us, because then we're going to probably want to give them some advice. I kind of want to qualify the advice so people know who they're kind of listening to. So, you know, um, we go through a lot of statistics and what a lot of people really don't know, and I, I still haven't gotten a hard number yet, but in our Hudson Gateway uh, multiple listing system, there's somewhere between 11,000 and, you know, 14,500 agents, some number in there. And I know it keeps growing and I probably should know that exact number, but the interesting thing is the average agent in real estate only does anywhere between two and four transactions a year. I mean, that's, that's statistically right in there. And that's actually average, two that's to four uh, transactions a year. Um, and that's actually a listing side and buy side together. That would be and, two to four And that's really interesting because I think a lot of times when you talk to people and they say, well, you know, my friend has their license or my friend just got their real estate license, I'm going to use them whether it's buying or selling, and they don't realize how much is at stake when they work with an agent who really doesn't have a lot of experience. Correct. So, so the reason why I was getting that is that the average agent does two to four transactions a year, and just the top 5% of the agents, so 95% of the agents do less. So if the top 5% of the agents do at least one transaction uh, a month, so that's, let's say, 12 a year, um, how many did you do last year? Well, last year, like I said, last year was a great year. I did 56. And by um, the way, if I can use your last year, the average and even what the top 5% does, that was actually using last year's statistics, 2020. Right. Oh, right. That was last year's statistics. Yes. Right. So I did 56 um, last year. 
which was definitely, you know, more than I average. Right. But, um, but, that but was again, the if the average agent does two to four and the top 5% are doing, you know, maybe one a month or 12, right. you know, you did 50 and change, yeah. you know, when we start giving out advice about real estate, um, you know, I just really want all the people in the podcast to know this, this is someone who really does. I always compare it to doctors. You've done a lot of successful surgeries. So even though there are other doctors out there that may have MD next to their name for real estate, you know, if they do two to four operations a year and you're doing 56, right. um, you know, which doctor would you like to get advice from? So, well, yeah. And that's the thing, you know, some, there are sell, you know, pe sellers, buyers, you know, people in general that listen, you know, they, they read and they, and they listen to people from all over the country and they come up with their own statistics or their own ideas. But really our little pond right here might be very different from the Midwest and what's happening there. That, that's very correct. And you know, it's really interesting because I know you and I were just talking about earlier today that, you know, when you do listing presentations, you know, some sellers say, well, look, you know, the market's so hot, I know my house is gonna sell. So why does it make a difference which real estate agent you select? So Allison, if you did you know over 50 transactions a year, the average agent does two to four, right? Right. Even just in the top five percent, they're only doing one a month, you know, maybe 12. What why are you able to do 50 plus and other agents just aren't? What's the difference? Well, the difference is you can't go to a seller and a lot of times, you know, a seller will say, Well, this is what I think my house is worth. And I had an experience yesterday, I went and met with somebody called me, said he wanted to sell his house. He had a certain number in mind because his neighbor two doors down, even though he, his neighbor sold five years ago, his neighbor sold for a certain price. And so he, therefore he had an idea of what his house was worth. Well, once we sat through, together and looked at the statistics, well, lo and behold, wouldn't you know, his neighbor actually sold for $100,000 less than he thought he had sold for. So he either misconstrued the information, was told the wrong information, but however, and he, you know, he had the wrong information. And therefore, like a lot of sellers, his price was based on false information. And he actually sent me an email today to thank me for the opportunity to correcting the statistics and seeing the actual data. And so what works for us is when we have a potential seller sitting in front of the computer together, looking at the data, because the data doesn't lie. And that's what it's all based so, on. So let me ask you a question, Allison. So in this market, in the seller's market, where there's a lot of agents there and they're just saying, yes, you know, they can sell the house. And to be brutally honest, oh yeah, they definitely sell the house in this market if you're priced even half decently well. Um, what does a more experienced agent, when I say experienced, by the way, everybody, I don't mean years on the market because there are a lot of agents that have been doing real estate for 20 years and they still only do two, three, four, five transactions a year. So when I say experience, I mean close a lot of properties, again, doing you know, a lot of successful surgeries. What would be the difference between you know, a more experienced agent who really successfully sold a lot and the average agent, even in this market, where sellers can get a ton of money. What's the difference? Well, so even in this market, it's, you know, a lot of sellers think, well, if I don't ask for it, I'm not gonna get it. And really list price and purchase price 
aren't always the same. And it doesn't mean that if I, let's just say, my, I think my house is worth 500,000. Well, let me, let me price it at 600 because maybe I'll have an opportunity to get 600. Well, the inverse is actually true where if we priced it at 500, maybe we have an opportunity of selling it for 525 or 550. But if we're priced at 600, just because a seller says, let's put it out there, what happens is it sits on the market and those days on market increase. And so that particular seller may end up selling it for less than if they had priced it at a lower number. Right. And that's really interesting because, you know, the house will sell, but it's not about if it will sell. It's still about at what price. So you and a number of other agents that, you know, are kind of in your elite group, you know, how much more do you really think you sell houses more for? Or I can't even say that in correct English. How much more do you think you can sell a house for more um, than, let's say, the average agent? I know that's a really broad question, but just well, kind of in general. We're talking about tens of thousands of dollars. So right. in every price point, it's different. But we're talking, you know, for the average person, it's the biggest asset that they have. And they don't realize that a, a bad negotiation can be a liability of tens of thousands of dollars. Whereas if a house is priced correctly, you have an opportunity to uh, capitalize on more buyers. And therefore, once one buyer is bidding against another buyer, it's sort of like the eBay mentality. They're bidding against each other and that's how the price increases. Right. So I want to get just throw out another example there because I know there's sellers out there that may be thinking about what they call for sale by owner being unrepresented. And um, we actually convinced two or three, just in the last probably six or nine months of those who are doing for sale by owner to actually give us a shot at it based um, with them telling me what kind of offers they got on their own. Let's just talk about this last one that we just literally just went into contract with um, in the Yorktown slash Austin section of, of uh, Westchester where we really fought really hard to convince these people to use us. And of course they thought that maybe they just wanted to use us or a realtor because, you know, we just wanted to collect commission. And the answer to that was no, well, obviously we are in the business to earn a commission, not collect it. But number two is even though you wouldn't be paying a commission selling on your own, you have no idea how much you were underselling the house for. So for this house, um, how much do, do you remember, how much those people said that they were possibly selling their house for on their own? I, I think it was 40, something like that. How much? What did 440, you say? something like that. Well, they had an offer. They weren't going to say would negotiate. They didn't even know how to negotiate on their right. own. So they well, what was the like, offer? Do you remember? It was in the fours. Yeah. Low it was fours, definitely right? in, the, in the fours. Yes. Right. So, and we ended up selling that for how much? Or what we just Five seventy. Five seventy. Right. So the interesting, cash. Cash. So the interesting thing is we can't remember if it was 425, 440, and they actually said they would have taken 450. Um, so they would have taken 450 without commission. And in round figures, commission would have been, you know, somewhere between 20 and $25,000. So at 450, you know, uh, a real estate agent would have to pay for 475 just for those sellers to break even at 450. We got them 575. So they are actually going to pocket $100,000 more or 90-something right, thousand right, dollars more right. than if they sold it on their own. And that is something that a lot of sellers don't really understand, that if you go, not just with any agent, but an agent that really knows what they're doing, 
I will tell you just because, as you said, the competition factor of multiple buyers against multiple buyers on a house, sellers with paying a full, full, full commission will usually, and I don't mean usually, I mean almost always net more selling on the market and paying out a commission than if they sell on their own. Have you found that out to be true in the last three or four that we did? Absolutely. We had another one in Croton where the seller was absolutely going to put it on himself. He thought he had a, you know, a price. We uh, got the listing, put it on uh, for about 50,000 more than he was going to list it for. And then we sold it for another 50 above that. So he actually sold it for $100,000 more than he thought he was going to. And in Um, round figures, what was the commission on that? Do you remember the total commission? Uh, the total commission? Yeah. Total the total commission yeah. was about $35,000 or thirty-five. dollars so, so, yeah. so basically he netted sixty-five grand more, sixty or sixty-five. Oh, at least. More. At least. Yeah. Right. yeah. No, at least. So but, sellers out there, this is just kind of what I want to show you is that, you know, with an average real estate agent, you know, I don't know what you would necessarily, would you cover the commission or not? But in today's market where a seller is going to get more based on the number of buyers that are negotiating against each other, the seller can net. I mean, we're talking multiples of tens of thousands of dollars more than most of the sellers that attempt or do sell on their own. Because we actually find out some sellers who actually sold on their own and what they sold for, and then we'll sell a a house down the street from them. And it's amazing how much more we got for that seller than the one who sold on their own. That's true. But I also will say that bidding wars are extremely um, delicate. And, um, you know, there is definitely an art to how to manage a bidding war because ultimately there are many, many buyers who don't get the house and one that does. But we've had, and we've seen it all the time, where you go from zero to one to two to three offers back to zero if you don't know how to run the bidding war. Correct. So even though bidding war, we don't like to call it a bidding war, we like to call it competitive bids um, because war has sort of a negative connotation. um, And we like to try to make it a little bit more positive, but um, you know, it's tricky to to manage. What are you finding out? What are you seeing now on the multiple listing system? We do something which is called hot sheets every day. And what hot sheets are, it shows the price, you know, the new houses that came on the market, anything that went to contract or sold. But we also see when properties have a price adjustment and not just our listings, anybody listings. What are you seeing now, Allison, as far as how many properties are having a price adjustments now versus how many properties are having price adjustments, let's say nine months ago, months from now. And obviously price adjustments pretty much mean price reduction. Price reductions, right? Yeah. But in our situation, we very often, and a lot of a lot of sellers and buyers too, think that you can only adjust the price one way. But we very often increase our price so that we let the market know that they need to be higher than where we initially started. Right. Um, but now there are definitely more price adjustments, price reductions than there were definitely nine months ago, and sellers are doing it much more frequently and faster than they were before, you know? So we, we have a house that we just put on the market and after 10 days we adjusted the price because, you know, and, and the other houses around it are also doing that. So we get to it a lot faster. 
So what's interesting that's happening now is we're actually finding a market shift where um, we're called this, these uh, micro locations. So based on price, location, school district conditions, so on and so forth. But we'll find that in some areas, one of my buyer agents was telling me he was just in a, um, a competitive offer situation where he was one of 20 bids. And yet there's other houses or other price ranges um, that could be within two miles of that house where there's price reductions going on, price adjustments going on. So it's a very interesting market that not everything is having competitive, competitive offer situations where prices are going up 10, 15, 20, 50, 70, $100,000. It's really spotty right now. Right. Where we right. could have a 15 minute conversation, talk about six different houses. And you would think if we were talking about six different houses in six different parts of the nation. Meanwhile, they're probably within five miles of each other, correct? Correct, right. We never know. And that's why I always say to sellers, you know, we do our best together based on what has sold and what we're putting out there. And we have marketing that's second to none and we'll put it all out there. But once it goes live, that's when we start to get feedback. That's when we know what, because it's really the buyers who set the price. So once we go live, the buyers will let us know what they think. Right. So I just kind of want to almost, you know, just kind of close on this and um, just kind of think about what do you think was the weirdest thing that someone just put in a negotiation the last six to nine months from now, um, either one of your sellers wanted or maybe a buyer requested from you that just kind of gave you a little, what I call pregnant pause, like, I'm sorry, could you repeat that please? Um, do, you, do you have anything like that or just well, something? Well, I do have one of our houses that we sold. Um, the, it, was, it was an estate and there was a cat that was left behind. And the people that bought the house took the cat with the house. So that was the first for me. And it was so amazing because the family, you know, was so happy that the cat was able to stay in the home. And then people that moved in were happy to have the cat. And it was, it was, it was really nice. Gee, was that an inclusion in the contract? I don't get involved in legal. So I never saw the, I never saw the contract, but, um, but that was definitely a new one where they, they took the cat. I think that's, I think that's really great. So if you were going to give a seller one, two or three pieces of advice, of what to really look for and and what to be prepared for in this market compared to what they've been, you know, reading, which is really statistics from six or nine months ago, but now we're today. What advice would you give? I would say that even though you're going to read about how busy the market is and, and, you know, how things are flying off the shelves, I would take a deep breath and I would, uh, try not to overprice it based on the data. And I would listen to the feedback that you're getting from the buyers because really the buyers are the ones who are going to tell you if you're priced right or not. Don't listen to all the other realtors giving feedback, but if you don't get offers in the first month, then that's the market's telling you something. Okay, great. So if Allison, if anybody has any other questions for you, you know, whether they're in our market or not in our market, but just, if they just would love to hear your expertise, uh, what email can, may they send questions to? Um, they could send an email to deal, D-E-A-L, 
at homeman, H-O-M-E-M-A-N.net. That would be the best way to get to me. Great. So again, Allison Davidoff, thank you very much for 16 spectacular years. I can't wait to have fun. I can't wait to have 16 more. And yeah, don't have me. We're going to be really old by then. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I'm going to be very old in 16 more years. Nah, nah, it doesn't work that way. We just stop aging. Thank you again, Allison, for your time. My pleasure. And I appreciate everything that you do. And you really are awesome. And um, thanks for listening to us for the Workside Real Estate Team. This was fun. We'll do it again. Okay. Bye bye. Take care, everybody.